Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandrobe, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandro, and I'm talking with Julie Atwood, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Sonoma County. Julie is a business owner and a community preparedness activist. Julie, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Well, thanks for being here with me and Glen Ellen on a summer afternoon. Yes, it's a beautiful day, and we're seated here outside your home. Yes. Right here in Sonoma Valley. That's that's right. We're sitting sandwiched between Sonoma Mountain and the Mayakama Mountain Range in the middle of Jack London's Valley of the Moon. And it's, like you said, it's a, a beautiful summer day. You are a native Californian. I am. You started in Southern California and just slowly inched your way up to Northern California. <laughs> yes, that's pretty much it. Um, yes. And and when did you land in Sonoma County? I first came to Sonoma County in the mid-70s, moved back to Central California for a couple of years, and then came back in 19, uh, let's see, came back in about 1978, and I've been here ever since. What drew you specifically to this piece of land that we're on right now? You could live anywhere in Sonoma County, but why did you pick this place? That, that's actually, um, there's a really finite answer to that, and that is that my husband was born and raised in Marin in San Francisco. Uh, I was a rancher. He always wanted to be a rancher, but his business was in the city, and he said, if we're going to live in the country, it's got to be within one hour of San Francisco. And um, Marin at that time just wasn't quite the right fit, and Sonoma Valley was kind of at the, the outer edge of that commute, and I had actually passed this property for years from the highway and thought, it's such a cute property. I want a place like that one day. And one day, a friend of mine who's a realtor said, you know, you always liked that old ranch. And I said, yes. He said, I think the owners are going to sell. And so we bought it from the family that had had it for over 150 years. Oh, my God. And so how long have you lived on this piece of land? Um, We started working on the property in 1984. And uh, we, we sort of camped out here on and off for a long time. And we've been living here full time for about the last 12 years. How many acres do you have here? We have 70. Wow. A lot of it's planted vines. 20 acres in Cabernet. Cabernet. You're a rancher girl. I am. You have these beautiful structures on your property. I know three for sure. I'm looking at two, and I know you have an awesome barn on another part of your property here. And you have an architectural background. That's right. Um, architectural detailing, to be specific. Detailing. Yeah. Okay. T- so t- tell me about these buildings, because one of them, for sure, I know that you built or designed. So the original ranch, as I said, was developed in the 1850s, um, and the same family had it um, up until we bought it. And right around the turn of the last century, right around 1905, 1906— They built a little bungalow. It's a classic arts and crafts Sears Roebuck catalog house. And that's the old house that we're looking at right over our shoulders. Uh, Hadn't been touched or changed at all when we bought it. Um, I did some 
adding on and raised the roof so that you could actually have a real bedroom in the house and made the kitchen a little bit bigger, added a couple of bathrooms oh, yes. <laughs> and, and heating and, oh, <laughs> uh, and light and things like that. And we actually had to wait a really long time in order to get the permits through uh, to do the remodel on that property because at that time, Northern California was in the midst of a pretty serious drought. We had to actually wait four years to get our permits. So in the meantime, we decided to tear down the old woodshed, which was mostly falling down to begin with. And so we built this structure right here, which started out as the garage and sort of a barn and an equipment shop. And we were able to make um, just a very basic, living quarters downstairs with a little refrigerator and a half bath so that at least we had a place to stay when we wanted to be up here while we were waiting to work on the house. And then that became my base when I was actually able to start um, working on the renovation of the house. And and how would you describe this, the new building? Um, I wanted a structure that really felt like a classic barn, but would actually have some of the architectural elements of a classic California arts and crafts bungalow and so I would I call it um I call it a a modern a modern barn it's a little bit of a I would say a sea ranch California sea ranch style but all of the stone is stone that was quarried from uh, the quarry right behind the property. So it came from all, the exact same quarry as all of the stone that was used in the house. Um, the flagstone patio that we're on all came from the quarries. The family that owned the ranch owned the quarries. So oh. there's a lot of historic continuity. So it's that kind is. of a modern barn. So which house do you live in? <laughs> well, this isn't a house. It's a barn. Oh, and I, okay. have a, I have a little meeting area there. Okay. And... Um, so it's your office. Sofa bed, so people can sleep okay. there if we have guests. And uh, we now live full-time in the old the farmhouse. Yeah, the okay. old farmhouse, the ranch house. And you referred to it as a Sears and Roebuck house. Yeah. Uh, did you know I that, know what Sears is. Uh, yeah. Well, Sears Roebuck was, for many years, the largest provider of housing in the United States. You could that open I did up, not could know. open up a huge catalog and pick your house and they would ship it to you in parts. So we just think that modular and prefab housing is a new thing, but it's not. It's really old. Sears invented it. And so, you know, what's old comes back. So they were they were very, very again. affordable, modest, um, working class houses and our communities in Northern California are just filled with them. Um, and this this was one. We just kinda added on to it at either end. Well, both structures are beautiful. And then you have this, you do have a an event space, which is a barn as well. So you well, like barns. Well, it's not an event space. Oh, it's a sorry. barn. It's, we, we, um, we rebuilt the barn. The old original barn on the property burned down in the 1950s. And we really needed a barn for, um, for storage of hay, for all our ranch equipment, for the occasional um, sick or pregnant horse. I don't right. like keeping horses in stalls, but we needed needed a horse barn. So we built a barn, again, in the classic California, uh, coastal California barn um, style and footprint on the south end of the ranch. And over the years, it started to become a party place. And um, we've hosted probably about 300 fundraisers and quite a few weddings for 
families and friends and locals and uh, for people who have been big supporters of charities that that I'm fond of supporting. But it was it was not built as an event space. If you look at all the grease stains on the floor, you'll see where the machine shop was. Well, I only identified it that way because the only time I've been inside it, it, it was an a big event. party. Yes, it was a great party. And let's talk about some of those charitable events that you do like to support. Why don't you tell us? Well, about the, some the of those. one that you were uh, actually a guest at last year would be a great place to start because sure. that was our big bottle barn party. And that was our kickoff event. I actually hosted and produced it for five years. Last year was uh, the last. And um, that was a party for the kickoff for our Sonoma Valley and then last year our Sonoma County Harvest Wine Auction. So that was the party that our sponsors and some of our biggest supporters from around the state and around the country would come to kind of gather together and get revved up before the auction. Auction's coming up, so that was a good place to start. But over the years, I've hosted and produced events for probably close to 45 or 50 nonprofits, um, ranging in, uh, in, in goals and missions from public education, child welfare, uh, the children's cancer community, um, gosh, you know, um, uh, land use issues, agricultural preservation, um, the Sonoma Land Trust, Marin Agricultural Land Trust, <laughs> Audubon Canyon Ranch, <laughs> and yeah, it just goes on and on. Uh, Transcendence Theater Company, other performing arts groups, and it, it uh, Sonoma Valley Hospital, our fire department, fire service. We have some coming up for both Transcendence Theater Company and our local fire service. Uh, Sonoma Valley Hospital, I may have said that. So some some uh, missions and causes that have remained constant throughout the years because we feel that it's really important to support them here in the community. And some that have ebbed and flowed, maybe they needed something particularly important that year and so I would host a party oh one of my favorites was our Dunbar school moon dance which we we did for about 12 years oh wow Dunbar, a moon dance, a moon dance. <laughs> yeah think think Van Morrison it's a marvelous night and oh. Dunbar elementary school is the second oldest public school in the state of California and it's right across the street from our ranch oh, very and, cool and I would say that's one of my proudest achievements was being officially declared the Dunbar Elementary School Fairy Godmother. Oh, I love that. And I have a wand to prove it. Oh, I love it. I want to see the wand. <laughs> Does it, is it magic? It, yes, it's magic. We kept that school afloat and it's thriving today. And that's the magic. That's Public education still thrives in our little tiny rural communities out here. And it's got the, the great, great grandmother. No. Godmother. Yeah, I am. I'm the godmother. No, the yes. godmother to prove it. Yes. That brings all goodness to People this valley. People could never figure out if I was the oldest parent of a of no. an elementary school kid or how many grandchildren did I have there. No, and the answer you're, is you're neither. The, we just support support these small rural schools. You're the best godmother this valley could ever have. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad I know the secret. Now everybody else does, too. You have really given a lot to this community. Do you carve out any time for yourself? Do you have any hobbies or 
but you know I love everything I do so much um I all all of my hobbies seem to be really these days seem to be connected to work um I do like to cook but I don't cook much these days because we just have so many really great places to eat and I find if I cook, my husband and I don't have a conversation. If we go out, <laughs> we actually do. Um, but I am, I'm a, you know, Michelle, I am a horsewoman. I'm a lifelong rider. That's something that you and I have in common. And so I have a hard time calling riding or being with horses a hobby because it's just so much a, a part passion. of me. Right. It's just part of me. But I do love to ride. I love to be with horses. I love to work with animals. Um, I, I, For me, actually, designing and planning parties and charity events, I wouldn't call it a hobby because it was my business for so many years. And now I've stepped back from that as a business. So that, that sort of feels like still a really fun thing to do. That's right. That's my therapy is creating beautiful environments for people through entertaining just as I was able to create environments for people's homes and businesses earlier on um I like to walk I'm not really a hiker I love to kayak oh. um I like to bird watch there you go I'm really involved with the annual Audubon Christmas bird count what's the most unusual bird you've seen around <laughs> here well let's see i I'm going to have to try to remember this, but for three years now on our Christmas bird count, and I'm not the person who spots this bird, but I'm the person who kind of scopes out where it, where it hangs out. There has been a, um, a type, and I'm, I'm not going to get the name right, but it's a type of flicker that has been spotted on our ranch three times now, three consecutive years in exactly the same tree. And it's very unusual in this area. And so I would have to say there is an official unusual bird. But the most exciting birds for me, I just, I love watching the acorn woodpeckers. Oh. I just love them. We're, we're hearing them right now. Look, <laughs> somebody just talked back to me. <laughs> really? Um, I just, I love them. And they're not unusual. They're almost ubiquitous, but I never get tired of watching them. Um. Very fun. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about nature, you know, is you never know what's gonna you're gonna see or hear next, right? It's it's true, and we're you're submerged in it. We're blessed to be in this place. One last question on the personal side here: We're in wine country. We're at your home. What do you drink? (laughs) (laughs) I love cocktails. Oh, right. (laughs) And I love beer. but if we're going to talk about wine, I you am. Have a, to talk about I, wine. Well, no, I'm a bubble girl. Oh, I yes. love sparkling wine and champagne, and um, I'm and I have a lot of friends in that sector of the business. So I would say that is my favorite wine country product. Right, and I do like our cab with the the right foods. We um, we work with a wonderful winemaker and um, we don't produce our own wines he does from our fruit Um, and I like a lot of the more unusual white varietals that are grown around our county again we have just such an enormous diversity of microclimates and AVA so I love that people are producing more and more of the uh, German and Alsatian varietals here love those 
But if you ask me, what do I sit down and have if I have the opportunity at six or seven in the evening? At home, I'll usually open up a cold beer. There you go. And I love I love going to beer tastings and craft brews. But when we go out, I love hanging out with the mixologists, and I love to have bartenders make me unusual concoctions, and um, and I, I love to pair cocktails with food. So I think they're it's fun. It is. So it's I would fun. say I I drink a little bit of many things and I enjoy tasting and it's just so cool that here in Sonoma wine country mm-hmm. we have we, we just have an incredible array of wonderful beverages Options. everything from beer to meat and wine and beautiful sparkling wines and wonderful farm to table cocktails and local distilled spirits I mean we just we have everything and it all comes from right here Sonoma I County want a has right it now. all. <laughs> yeah, a cocktail sounds good. It's, it's right. It's almost <laughs> cocktail time. Thirsty for more on today's interview? Pre-purchase our soon-to-be-released book, Wine Country Women of Sonoma County, and $10 will be donated to the Sonoma County Community Foundation Resilience Fund. Let's talk about your career. Before we talk about kind of where you are now, do you remember what one of your first paying jobs was? <laughs> I can tell you exactly what my first paying job was. I was a secretary back when they had those. Now everybody's going to know how old I am. No. I was a secretary for a, strangely enough, for a huge vineyard, vineyard management firm. I think at that time it was the largest in the country. Oh, wow. So you went from that to... Let's see, you told me uh, <laughs> you worked for iMagnum. I, I've had a, a number of um, really fascinating and great careers. So I, um, I ran away from home and got married. So I had to get myself a job. And <laughs> I, I worked as a secretary and admin assistant. And then I got a, a part-time job at night during the holidays working in a little store. I had some retail in my background. And that segued into... Um, a real highlight of my life, which was um, working as a buyer for one of the truly iconic American specialty stores, iMagnon. And that was really fun. And I just learned a lot of different things. Um, That business was sold and working in retail was never the same again. So I got interested in construction and design and for close to 20 years had a design build and architectural detailing business that was based in Marin County in San Francisco, where I specialized in historic restoration. And that was really fun, and that led me to this property. Right. And then I had a little blip. I've I've struggled with uh, vision most of my life, and so I had a long period when I was essentially legally blind, couldn't drive, couldn't read blueprints, so... I had a lot of design projects, but I needed to close down my offices because commuting got to be difficult. So I had a design office in Sonoma Valley, and I did design three days a week. And then three days a week, I worked on events. And I built up an event business at the time when there really was no such thing as an event planner. Most interior designers planned parties for their clients. 
So I had a lot of great clients in Marin and San Francisco who could have 300 people in the ballroom of their house, but they had no backyard. And even if they did, they never had parties there because it was freezing cold and windy. Right. So I started planning parties for my clients in Marin in the city up here on this ranch, and they would sort of pass it off as their place in the country. And that's how I started my my event planning and design business. Is there one party in particular that stands out? That that you're really putting me on the spot. That is really hard. Um, We have just had so many beautiful parties. Um, Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, with local. I love hosting weddings for family and friends. And last fall we had, planned a wedding. We're not going to talk about the fire, but we had planned a wedding for one of our most beloved and talented Transcendence Theater performers, and we had to postpone the wedding because of the fires. So we just, they finally got married just this last May, and of course, you know, when you're planning a, a wedding for friends, it's so personal, but that was a really, really joyous, special occasion because of, of the two people being married right. and their families, but it was the first really big celebration we had had at our ranch since the fires and lots and lots of community members were, um, our neighbors were guests. And so that was really special. And of course there was a lot of great singing and just a general gaiety. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. That, that was really special. You've got an interesting initiative that, that you're very passionate about that I'm, I'm going to just ask you to explain <laughs> because it involves training, training emergency, yeah, emergency workers to make sure that they can properly take care of the animals in unusual circumstances. Right. Tell our listeners about this initiative. So uh, back at the end of 2013, I started a program called the Halter Project. And at that time, the goal of the Halter Project and the Halter initially stood for Horse and Livestock Team Emergency Response. That was our first initiative. And the goal was to train firefighters and other first responders, such as animal control officers, uh, search and rescue team members, to safely get horses and other large animals, mules, cows, llamas, pigs, um, and working canines also, how to safely get large animals out of bad situations. And so in our area, bad situation could mean that there's a trail riding accident. People are up in some of our beautiful state and regional parks and a horse takes a tumble and goes over the edge or maybe slips and falls and pins its rider beneath it. It could be a a trailer accident on a highway or it could involve larger livestock transportation uh, accidents. Um, Out in the west part of the county where we get big floods in the wintertime, animals are frequently trapped in mud. People go riding on the beaches and they can be stuck in quicksand. So all kinds of things can happen. We won't dwell on all the the bad things that can happen. But basically, just about anything that happens to a person that involves the search and rescue team or the services of firefighters with all their technical skills can... Uh, can be applied to a situation with horses and livestock. 
And so in the fire service, there is a discipline referred to as animal technical rescue. And so we set about facilitating training and equipping local fire departments and some search and rescue teams so that they could develop a high level of skill and be available as a resource when they're needed. And I'm proud to say we have a state-of-the-art team based right here in Sonoma Valley in Glen Ellen. Is this common? Um, Not in California. It's actually these teams are quite common in other parts of the country, particularly in the southeast, where um, there's just an enormous horse population. And you're from the south. So Kentucky, I don't even know how many animal technical rescue teams reside in Kentucky, but there are quite a few. North Carolina has a lot. Louisiana, Florida, Texas. Um, so, but this didn't exist in California. Very little. There were there were um, a few instructors. Actually, uh, the instructors that we've been using, who were among the very first in the country, are from California. They're actually from the Santa Cruz area, and they started teaching back in the '90s. But over the years, the really big technical res- rescue teams just did not. Uh, they were not sustainable in California because they didn't get called upon that frequently. And in other parts of the country where the fire service is very involved in animal disaster response, but that's not the case here in California. In California, when there is a disaster, usually it's a fire, and often uh, it could be an earthquake, and the fire department is not going to be rescuing animals. They may save an, an occasional animal that they encounter, but their responsibility is saving human lives and property. And so it's up to these technical rescue teams to be able to assist in disasters. But emergencies happen every day, every week, every month. So we make a big distinction between emergency response. That's the every day, you know, I'm riding on the trail and we just took a tumble and we need help or my cow is stuck in the mud or my good dairy cow just fell into an old abandoned well out in my pasture. So those are things that happen all the time. But for generations, farmers, dairymen, ranchers, they've been getting animals out of stuck places using ropes and chains and plywood, basically getting it done. But there were much better, safer, more humane ways to do it that are also a lot easier on the people doing it. And so that's really a newer phenomenon. It's bringing um, really great understanding of animal anatomy, animal behavior, uh, bringing veterinarians into the mix, and creating an integrated animal emergency response team. And If someone's interested in learning more or becoming a part of this team, how can they go about doing that? If you are listening and you're here in the Bay Area of California, just go to our website, halterproject.org, and go to our training resources page. Join our mailing list. Sign up to get information about trainings, and we'll tell you what's involved, and you'll be on our mailing list, so you will be notified when a training is coming up. And that's for technical rescue, which is, it's very physical, and you've, you've got to be very fit, and you have to have certain, certain skills to participate, especially if you're going to team up with a, a local fire department. But 
there are a lot of other ways to get involved helping animals, then that would be through the other arm of the Halter Project, and that's our community outreach program. So we like to say that the, the Halter community outreach component leads people to safety and preparedness. And that's actually become a really big part of what I do, and it's pretty much my 24-7 job now. So that's great. Helping, helping people to understand what they can do in an emergency or a disaster to take care of themselves and their animals. And there was a real lack of information in our area, uh, in Sonoma County in particular, and in Northern California in general, and in a lot of other rural areas around the country. So we found that by making this information available to our neighbors, people started finding us and saying, how do we find this out in my neighborhood in Nebraska, or how can I do this in Oklahoma? So we began a national outreach program. And in 2016, FEMA recognized us as a national um, recipient of their Individual and Community Preparedness Award. That's awesome. That was pretty awesome. So what's ahead for you? Well, <laughs> keeping everybody safe. That's, right. that's really become one of our primary missions. Uh, we have some fun events planned coming up. Um, oh, you asked about favorite events. Well, I have one coming up, and it's the Heritage Turkey Sunday Supper. And this is an event I've been involved with for a number of years, and we're hosting it here at Atwood Ranch this year in November. Um, and again, if you're in our area and you want to learn about it, just go to Heritage Turkey Supper at Eventbrite, or you can go to julieatwoodevents.com and get information. It is a really fun, really delicious, really beautiful event. We're also hosting some events for the Transcendence Theater Company coming up this month. Uh, and then usually around the holiday time, we become a party place for local nonprofits who tend to be kind of outdoorsy. They're not going to mind that they might be cold and a little bit damp. And we have some fun barn parties in the wintertime. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. <laughs> okay, so the idea here, Julie, is not Let's to give a lot dating. of... <laughs> yeah, kind of, is not to think about the answers too much. Okay, my okay. brain's a blank. Okay, you ready? Because some people have a challenging time with this. Here we go. What's the last magazine you read? Edible Marin Wine Country, ninth anniversary edition featuring women in agriculture. There's a mouthful. What's your all-time favorite movie? Bull Durham. What is the last piece of candy you ate? Poco Dolce, salted caramel something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? I drive a really old Yukon. Okay. And name one, and I know that there's many, name one of your favorite restaurants in Sonoma County. That is not fair. I know um, there's many, just but name one, just one. You know, I'm going to go with um, a brand new one, and that is Tips Roadhouse, just up the road from me in Kenwood. Okay, there you go. Thank you so much Thank for you. sitting down with us today. You're so much fun. So are you. Takes one to know one. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms 
so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.